0: is the matter
1: Good morning, may it please the court, Martin Vogelbaum for Samuel Bohema. Uh Your Honors, the Supreme Court has repeatedly emphasized that the involuntary administration of mind-altering drugs represents a, a significant, a serious incursion on uh, personal liberty and, and bodily autonomy. And for that reason, uh, the court has consistently required that the government must have an overriding or essential uh, interest in the involuntary administration of such medications before it may proceed. In the context of a cell case, like we have here, um, the court has defined that overriding interest as the restoring to competency and ultimately the trial um, of an individual charged with a quote serious end quote crime. Now, in this case, um, the record reflects that the District Court uh, repeatedly um, made extensive remarks reflecting its view that, in fact, the government um, did not have a, a serious well, the,
0: que- the District Court questioned that, certainly, in a letter to the prosecutor, which struck me as strange, but, um, but ultimately, the District Court, you know, orders the medication but doesn't make an explicit finding. That's really your argument, isn't it? I mean, doesn't the district court have to make a finding about this being a serious case?
1: Well, I think... Back into it. I think our position would be that that there's enough in the record here um, of the district court's views that the government's interest in this prosecution is, quote, quite low that it questions whether this is even a, quote, significant criminal event.
0: But are you saying we should do it for the district court? Or are you saying we should infer from the district court's earlier comments in a letter that predated its order to go ahead and medicate uh, supports a finding that the district court concluded it
1: wasn't serious? I think, we could do, I think you could do either, given the standard of review here, since this is a purely legal question and the court has before it the entire record. Um, and it's de novo review, I think, I think the court could arrive at that conclusion via either avenue. And on the question of whether, in fact, uh, this... But we don't,
0: I mean, there are a lot of things we don't know. So we, I guess we do know what the statutory maximum is. We have a feel for what the guidelines might be, though there seems to be a little bit of confusion. I think your brief suggested it might even be higher if you were a career offender than what the government is saying, which is about 40 months. Um, there seems to be some confusion as as to whether or not he could be civilly committed, with the government saying that he couldn't be, but then in the next breath saying that they were proceeding to do that. So wouldn't it make more sense to remand to the district court to go do the findings?
1: I don't think that's necessary. I mean, certainly the court could do that. Um, I don't think it's necessary. I also think, obviously, um, given the fact that my client at this point has now been incarcerated in pretrial detention for... I think it's approaching 43 months at this point, and even on my highest estimate of the guidelines. 38
0: months, right? yeah, I thought it was, I had 40, I don't know.
1: <laughs> so uh, 38 months, 20 days. I, 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 think it, uh, I think it depends on when you start counting. There's the filing of the complaint on January 27th, um, but, but ultimately there's not really a formal proceeding that gets going for a little bit after that. But in, in any event, he has been incarcerated for something that even at this point is approaching... Uh, you know what his highest guideline range would be, um, even under my you know generous calculations put right, but
0: on, we, we haven 't really defined whether we should be looking at guidelines at all or whether we should just be looking at statutory maximums i mean there's It seems like we need to provide at least some clarity don't you think
1: and I do have a view on that um, i you know, I think um, I think that the language of cell says the court is the district court is to look at the particular facts and circumstances of the individual case. Now, does that mean um, solely the offense conduct? No, I think it probably means um, all of the relevant and salient factors. I would include the statutory maximum. I disagree that that is um, an objective measure of the crime seriousness. I think think rather it represents uh, the legislature's view of what appropriate punishment might be for the most egregious version of a particular offense, which is why typically, except in the absence of, for example, a mandatory minimum, these things are structured as a range that goes all the way from zero potentially to life, um, or in some circumstances, even death. Um, the guidelines um, also have a virtue. Sorry.
2: Argument you're making. You're making the argument that the statutory maximum doesn't show that it's serious enough to keep prosecuting, if or sorry, to do the involuntary medication if it's not likely that he's going to get the statutory maximum. Is that what you're? you're what you're saying? What's the relevance of, this, of what you just said about the statutory maximum, I guess, to the cell analysis?
1: Uh, so. I think several courts have taken the view that the statutory, a few circuits have taken the view that the statutory maximum is, you know, the starting it point. The it shows the seriousness. And you're saying we
2: should look case by case at whether this particular defendant's conduct was sufficiently serious, such as the, government has an important interest in
1: prosecution. That's correct. And, 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 and both by looking at the offense conduct itself, which of course here is just spitting. I mean, nobody would <laughs> equate this, certainly, I mean, certainly many people would find it repulsive, um, but nobody would equate it with a, uh, a violent assault on a correctional officer. So I think you should look also at the offense conduct, which this court is, uh, which this court has done and many courts have done. And I think that the guidelines have a role to play as well, because they do, although it's not always possible to um, estimate them with perfect precision, and and this case is an example of that, uh, I think the concern about not being able to do that in a pre-sentencing posture is a little bit overstated. I mean, it is routinely done um, to structure plea agreements and and have those kind of negotiations. Certainly, everybody is familiar with them, and I think they, they represent a more realistic review, uh, view of what the outcome of a case is is likely to be. But in this case in particular, whether we're looking at the statutory maximum, I think the district court here uh, at one point even expressed the view that you, know, you m- might actually get a high-end guideline sentence in this case. So the district court here is not even talking about the statutory maximum I don't I don't think that that's realistically on the table um, in this case and the I th- is it
2: that he's uh, could be deported
1: yes I mean there there are a number so that would be I would say that step one is to look is to define the serious so one
2: special system. circumstance is if he's going to be civilly committed that he's not dangerous to everybody if he's deported is that the same thing as a civil commitment because he's not in the country
1: i think i I think so and or
2: might you say well that means he can't be punished because he's going to leave the country and so the government has an important interest in prosecuting him which way does it cut is i guess my question
1: i think it cuts in our favor because um here where you've got somebody who's already served 43 months or 38 months or whatever it is and by the time this court renders a a decision and should this court affirm the district court the estimate here is that it's going to take anywhere between four and eight months to even attempt to restore him to competency and then, of course, there would be further proceedings. I mean, I think in this case in particular, um, punishment has been served, deterrence has been served, incapacitation has been served. This gentleman has an aggravated felony, as far as I know, and a final deportation order and a travel document has been issued. As far as I know, I'm not an immigration lawyer. Yeah, so but- if the
2: deportation is relevant, is that we need to do an inquiry as to how likely the deportation is. So the fact that there's travel documents issued means that it's likely he's going to be deported, whereas maybe if the receiving country had an issued those documents, we don't, we wouldn't know, and that would make the government's interest greater.
1: I, I, don't really, I, I, I don't think there's any indication of that in the record, and I think that the fact no, that. I'm
2: the, asking the legal question. I understand the record here indicates that there have been travel documents, but if we had a case in which uh, he was ordered removed but there hadn't been travel documents and so we don't know whether the government's going to succeed in removing him Would that that would cut in the government's favor that they have more of an interest in detaining him or prosecuting him because we don't know if he's going to remain in the country or not.
1: I think that would be right except you know of course it would have to be taken in conjunction with all of the other factors that we're discussing here how long has the pretrial detention been? But wouldn't we
0: also want to know how you know whether we deport people who are a danger to themselves and others? In other words, civil commitment is is one of the considerations. I don't know, as I sit here, whether or not it's our policy to deport people who are a danger to themselves or others, but as long as they do it in another country, we're fine with it. Um, do you know the answer to that?
1: I. I don't know the answer to that. What I can say is that I am unaware of any kind of. I mean, his case has been appealed to the and affirmed by the the immigration case has been affirmed by the Fourth Circuit. So that that order is final as far as I, as far as I know. He has no other immigration recourse at this point. I I would assume that the law being what it is, that but the, if that he's the been government,
0: civilly committed, he'll be. De- they'll take him out of wherever, in whatever institution he's in and deport him?
1: No, I think, I, I think it's possible they may hold him for the duration of the civil, civil commitment and then deport him. I think it's possible, um, that they may deport him in lieu of civil commitment, although I think that is probably not very likely. Are you aware of any cases that, uh, consider deportation as one of the cells factor, I mean, in the cells analysis? Uh, no, uh, I did not come across any any such case. Um, it's hard to know what to make of uh, a little bit of a civil con- commitment and deportation, right? You may be civilly committed. The government appears to be seeking this. There are travel papers, but that's certainly not a, a certainty of deportation. B- but the civil... Even, even, even leaving, even leaving aside this, the question of deportation, the civil commitment obviously is is still going forward, and that is even in, in even in uh, the cell case considered a major consideration in and of itself. And I think in tandem with you know the the relatively unserious criminal conduct here, even in even in the view of the district court, the amount he's time of time he's already served. And the amount of additional time he's likely to serve as this case proceeds, um, you know, I think the government's interest in continuing this prosecution is really vanishingly small. If the court doesn't have any other questions.
3: Good afternoon, Your Honors. May it please the court. My name is Sean Eldridge. I'm an assistant U.S. attorney from the Western District of New York, and I represent the government on this appeal. The district court's cell order should be affirmed because the offense charged assaulting two federal officers by spitting saliva and blood on them in May 2020, the height of the COVID pandemic, is plainly serious. In well, the did gover- the
0: district court find that?
3: So, Your Honor, I don't disagree that the order is silent as to that point, but even as... My friend concedes in the brief, that doesn't mean that the district court didn't decide that. The district court must have decided that. It was a focus uh, and discussed many times
0: at the proceedings. Well, how can we review it if we don't know what went into the finding?
3: Right. No, I, in, I don't want to push too hard, Judge Sullivan, because I agree that it would have been uh, much nicer even if we had a few sentences but from doesn't the district it doesn't
0: seem like you guys even argued it.
3: No, I, think, I don't think that's a fair characterization, where, Your Honor. Where I think, did
0: you argue that it was serious? What were the grounds that you offered?
3: So, Your Honors, there was a, a pretty full discussion of this at the end of the cell hearing uh, at A347 to 359 of the record where many of these factors were discussed. The fact, and the district court makes um, some observations. He, he talks before about the seriousness of the offense and drawing a comparison to say... Uh, you know, this is not an armed robber, this is not a meth or a fentanyl dealer, which in that is a fair characterization to say it may be relatively less, but of course the test undersell is whether it is a serious offense. There's other discussions about potential deportation, about civil commitment. The district court observes that there's no evidence in the record that civil commitment would be likely. Um, Those are all matters that were discussed. In, In terms of the original question, Your Honor, which was... Yes, I
2: mean, is whether the government has an important interest, is that um, a fact question or a legal question? No, Your Honor, the case so is... we would I, review it de novo anyway. Exactly so right. So you're sort of saying we should assume that because the district court went ahead and ordered the involuntary medication, he must have decided that there was an important interest and we should decide whether he was right.
3: Two responses to that, Judge Beneschi. That's right. Uh, I agree with that. I think the cases consistently and uniformly say that the first element is... A legal question; it's resolved by the or reviewed by this court de novo. Um, in fact, even you know, in the Ninth Circuit had um, had brought this up in Hernandez Vasquez, saying that it's an issue that the court, this court, a reviewing court, is well equipped to review and evaluate for itself in the first instance. So, if you're not convinced that Judge Larimer didn't make that decision in the first place, then the second argument is there's ample evidence in the record for this court to determine that the government has an important interest in this because it is a serious offense. What is
2: that evidence? So one of the special circumstances that the Supreme Court told us about in cell is if the defendant has already been confined for a significant amount of time for which he would receive credit toward any sentence ultimately imposed. And as we were discussing, it seems like he's been in custody for about 39 months. And your brief says that the maximum sentence he could get under the guidelines is 41 months. And it will take a couple months. To bring him up to competence right so isn't he just going to be sentenced to time served and isn't that something the cell court told us as a reason to conclude that the government doesn't have an important interest
3: well it's certainly a factor to consider your honor i don't agree that it completely undermines the interest in the prosecution because in cell in the cases that follow it we talk about the other consequences we've talked about some of them here today is it a great idea just to deport someone with mental health issues to another country and essentially make it their problem. I mean, uh, Mr. Bohema's counsel well, below raised Sierra the Leon point. Well,
2: the government has issued travel documents, right? So they're saying that they're willing to take in.
3: Well, so that's true and not true. And let, me, let me talk about that for a second, because the deportation question, uh, two things, just to answer Judge Livingston's question from before, are we aware of any cases that look at deportation as a cell factor? I have not seen any. I, I don't think it's inappropriate to consider it, but I haven't seen any cases that specifically say that. Judge Menashe, to your point about the, the facts of this case, what the record shows is that Mr. Bohema has had a final order of deportation since 2011. 2011. And the fact that he's still here. He still here, hasn't
2: been deported. So you're saying that actually we shouldn't assume that the government's going to succeed in deporting him.
3: That's right, Judge. I mean, the travel I mean, I documents. I not
2: that question as to whether it's likely. And so he has travel documents, but the government still hasn't managed to deport him.
3: That's right, Your Honor. And, and even in this case, the most recent seeing, set of travel documents were issued almost a year before the conduct took place in this case. And so I think those facts speak for themselves.
2: So, but he, he, the premise of your argument is that he's a danger and so needs to be detained. But we just said he's likely to be sentenced only to time served. So what is the government actually going to achieve by prosecuting him if you're not going to detain him any longer?
3: Sure. So a couple of responses to that. One, we don't know that he's going to receive a time served sentence. Is it possible? Of course it is. I think well, it is you ask
2: for an above-guideline sentence? Do you think that that's justified?
3: Judge, I don't... I mean... I hate to make predictive analyses about this. Is it possible? Sure, I mean, Mr. Boima's
2: What predictive, aren't you in charge of prosecuting him? I mean, isn't the...
3: Well, Judge, but part of what we do, too, is we take all the facts that we know at the time. So we would have... Okay, so at this, at this time, sure.
2: since you've already represented in your sure. brief what the appropriate guidelines range is, and you've said it has a maximum of 41 months, given everything you know now about the case, are you going to ask a sentence in court to sentence him above the guidelines range?
3: Judge, it is possible, and I would say this. I mean, if you take a look at Mr. Bohema's record, which includes very serious felony convictions, assault first, robbery with a dangerous weapon, two felony controlled substance offenses, an assault second sex offense that involves having sex with a 14-year-old. Do I think that that is the kind of person that would fall into a category deserving of an above guideline sentence that is outside the heartland of the normal defendants that we see? The answer is yes. Now, ultimately, the district court gets to decide that. And on the timing question, you know, whether it's 38 or 43 months, I think it is about 42 months if we go back to. Well,
0: why, why is it not? I mean, if he's a career offender, it's higher. That was referenced in uh, your adversary's brief. You're conceding he's not a career offender?
3: No, Judge, we, I think we were taking a more conservative view of the guidelines. I mean, one of the, the factors, you know, that nobody discusses in their brief, and frankly I thought about as I was getting ready, nobody put a Chapter 3 adjustment for an official victim into the guidelines calculations, which I think goes to show why guidelines are something we look at. Um, a lot of the cases from our sister circuits say that, you know, kind of at this early stage of the case, they may not be the best predictor, but they are absolutely a factor uh, that we take a look at.
0: Can, can I ask you about civil commitment? Please, your, your brief is equivocal on that. One hand, you, you posit that there's no evidence to suggest he would qualify for civil commitment, but then in the footnote you say, "But you've moved for civil commitment."
3: Sure, Judge. So at so the time, you t- move for
0: something you didn't think that he would—that you're going
3: to win on. Well, two responses to that. I mean, we are one government and we speak with one voice. I mean, it was a separate U.S. Attorney's office who has jurisdiction over that in North Carolina, which is where Mr. Boehma is held. I mean, the timing is such. Well, I'd make two points. Number one, the doctors who testified. Uh, from the BOP specifically said during the cell hearing we don't think he's dangerous we don't think he would qualify that's point one point two is I don't think it's unreasonable for the government to attempt to exercise multiple avenues because the timing here is such that the district court cell order is issued in well, January I of done, 2023
0: I'm just saying this seems to be a relevant inquiry and we don't seem to know whether he's going to be civilly committed or not
3: no we don't what we know is that about seven or eight months after the district court sell order was issued so january of 2023 the government then uh moved in the summer i think it was july or august of 2023 for civil commitment and the parties agreed to immediately stay it uh so it is out there but the proceeding was so, filed so and we, immediately stayed pending this month. so what you
2: were saying on behalf of the government is we would like to civilly commit him we'd like to deport him but We don't know how the civil commitment is going to turn out because it's been stayed. We don't know how the deportation is going to turn out because there's been an order pending since 2011. And so because that's all uncertain, we have an important interest in prosecuting him and we might be able to get additional detention because we might ask for an above guidelines range.
3: Um, A combination of those, yes. And that's the
2: reason why there's an important interest here.
3: What what I'm saying is that there is an important interest in prosecuting a serious offense, assaulting Corrections officers who protect our country. Well, and I ask you that? I mean, I agree Certainly. With that,
2: obviously. But um, let's say we're undisputed that there's no way he's going to get additional jail time. Let's say there was a statutory maximum that prevented you from asking for more than 38 months, which you already got. So it's important uh, to punish somebody for assaulting a corrections officer, but you have no ability to get additional detention from him under cell, wouldn't it be that you didn't have an important interest in the prosecution?
3: No, Your Honor. And there's other fact-specific questions that would come into play. For example, supervised release. Some of the cases from our sister circuits make what I think is a very important point about saying there is an additional benefit to having an individual, especially with these kind of mental so health issues. So we able to get
2: that
3: here? So I, I, I don't, I think the, could we get a term of supervised release? Yes. What would be the effect of it? It wouldn't come into play unless Mr. Boima were released first from immigration custody. I mean, I think he would still be under the district court's supervision while he was in the United States in immigration custody, which is kind of an interesting oh, right, so he's interplay. In immigration custody. Correct. Oh
2: so that's, that's another point, so that even if he's not being deported, he is being detained. right?
3: Well, so right now, because of the pendency of this action, he has been ridded into federal custody. Uh, Mr. Bohema, notwithstanding these prior serious convictions, Has been released on many occasions uh, from from immigration custody which is how some of these convictions happened again I mean many of the convictions I referenced before the the sex with a 14 year old is after three or four years after the 2011 order of removal so is his detention likely yes is it guaranteed no
2: if so if the law were followed he'd be detained I'm sorry I
3: missed the first part of your question if the law were followed yes thank you
2: he would be detained and then deported right
3: he would be
2: detained, sentenced. He's detained pending removal, right? I think that's right. So if the law were followed, but you're saying we might release him.
3: We don't control what immigration does judge and and what the record shows is he has been released from immigration custody in the past. Can I just ask, uh,
1: he had travel documents at one point. Does he still have travel documents or do we not know that?
3: Judge, yeah, so two answers to that again. Um, They were issued in 2019. I mean, the the next thing I'm going to tell you, I will admit is outside the record, but he had them issued one prior time, at least one prior time, where the Sierra Leonean government issued travel documents to him. They were unable to travel because Mr. Boima then asserted he was not a Sierra Leonean resident. And in fact, we see him make that uh, assertion here in the blue brief. There's a footnote in the blue brief that says, Mr. Boima says, you know, he is a native of the United States. Uh, do I know that the, I, I can't answer your question directly if the documents are active today or not but I think the fact that when they were issued to the time he was uh, committed the crime in this uh, a case was I think almost 10 months I think speaks for itself unless the court has any further questions thanks very much I appreciate your time.
1: Regarding the question of uh, deportation, I guess I would say two things. First, much like civil commitment, cell does not say that there must be a certainty that civil commitment is going to occur in order for it to be a relevant factor and indeed for it to diminish the government's interest in a prosecution. I would make the argument and take the position that that similarly it would be unrealistic and, and not within the terms of cell to demand a certainty that this gentleman is going to be deported or be deported within a certain time frame. Yeah, but the certainty and
2: affects the government's interest, right? So if it were a certainty, then you might say the government doesn't have an interest. But if it's not a certainty, then the government might have an interest in some additional detention, right? Well, the
1: same could be said of, of civil commitment, Judge Menashe. and well, that's and true. The, and right. then so the, I
2: would think so, like, uh, like let's say uh, in a hypothetical case, there's a 20% chance of civil commitment and in another case, there's a ninety percent chance. Wouldn't you say the government's interest in prosecuting him is greater in the twenty percent chance scenario?
1: I, I suppose so. I, I don't. I don't. But I, you know, just looking at this case, I mean, my colleague has pointed out um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Boima's uh, rather substantial record. I would say that you know some of that information again is is outside the record, much like the information about the travel documents. What we have in the record is a, is records of arrests, but nevertheless, 4246, you know, raises the the prospect or or turns on whether the person, if released because of a mental illness, is going to pose um, a a danger to person or property, a substantial danger to person or property. Clearly, the director um, of Butner who who is required to file the certificate of mental disease or defect thinks that is the case. Um, and based on, I assume, based on their own investigations of Mr. Bohema, um, as well as his record, and and if I may offer something outside of the record myself, I know for a fact that Mr. Bohema's sister has actually been in contact with with Butner. Um, And so they are investigating even his family at this point. So I don't think, while that matter has stayed, I don't think that anybody is anticipating that it's not going.
2: So you're just, thinking that, you're just saying that civil commitment is likely?
1: I think it, I think it's very likely in this case. And
2: then what about the immigration detention? So if he's been released before does he have a ground for being released now before removal?
1: I don't think he has a legal ground and as a matter of fact it's in the record that his parole was revoked after uh, his after his, uh, um, after the affirmance of the, by the Fourth Circuit. So I don't think he's going anywhere.
2: I understand that the question about whether the government has an important interest is a legal question, but if it depends on some of these facts about whether, or I don't know if they're facts, but some predictive judgments about whether uh, uh, he could get an above-guideline sentence, or a term of supervised release, or it's the likelihood of civil commitment, or the likelihood of removal or immigration detention, If the district court didn't really lay that out for us, shouldn't the
1: district court do that in the first instance? Well, I think, I think, as I said before, I mean, certainly this court could, could remand for further fact-finding. I think that would be highly prejudicial to my client, um, obviously. And I would also point out that there is, without knowing to certainty, there, there are some ways that, you know, we can be realistic about these things. You Mr. my friend Mr. Eldridge says that they may seek an above guideline sentence in this case if their top estimate of guidelines I think is you know 27 to 33 months um, even if you were to double the top end of that and make it 66 months I mean that's you know only slightly. I said in their
2: brief it was 41. Okay so. I think in your brief you said if he's a queer offender it could be 63. Right. And he's talking about some additional adjustments that might that might apply so. And also, an above guidelines sentence would be above whatever that is, right? So we don't know
1: what the number would be, right? Right, but I guess the point I was making that if if the, if the top end really is is forty is really forty one months, I mean, even even You're if the, how high how
2: far above the guidelines I mean, sentence, is it
1: realistic to think that the district court is going to give them eighty two? You know, I, I think that's I think that's extraordinarily unlikely, and I think that you know there is some common sense to be applied here. On the question of whether or not he is a danger, um, I would like to point out that the district court here and the government um, and the witnesses, uh, Mr. Algiers, I'm sorry to say is quite wrong, the witnesses did not testify that Mr. Uh, Bowiema was not a danger in the sense that were he to be released, which is the concern, whether he would be a danger. They were talking about the Harper versus Washington situation which asks only in the institutional context, as an inmate, is this person so debilitated that he is unable to care for himself or, you know, a danger to others? And the testimony actually was, no, we we can't go the Harper route in this case because we've got him in a solitary cell 24 hours a day. He's, although not cooperative with staff, he's not violent with them, He, he takes his meals, he's taking care of himself adequately, um, so I think there is some confusion around the dangerousness question. But I mean, was there a case. Harper
0: motion made or not made? Uh,
1: I, think, I think that nobody, nobody actually comes out and says whether there was an administrative proceeding. But what one can infer quite clearly from the testimony is that the staff at Butner did not think that that was an option because he was not exhibiting any of the signs that would justify involuntary medication on those grounds. Um, And if the court doesn't have anything else, I think that's all I have. Thank Thank you. Thank you both, and we'll take the matter under advisement.